We do have some more announcements this morning. I want to point you to the bulletin. If you've got a bulletin, if you wouldn't mind grabbing that, I want to point out something to you real quick. Next Sunday, we will have Sunday school at 10 o'clock, and we will have worship at 11. Now, you can get in here at 10 o'clock and have your own worship for an hour if that's what you want to do, but we will have worship at 11 and Sunday school at 10. And also, if you are a guest, we are so glad that you are here. It's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Uh, for today. And Father, we just pray that you just come into this place this morning. And Father, we pray that we cast out all distractions that we may have and we focus on what you have for us to hear this morning. And Father, we pray that you just take over this place. All this your name. Amen.
Amen. My Redeemer lives. How about yours? Praise God for, uh, for our Easter season that we celebrate uh, Easter because our Redeemer is alive. Amen. That He is alive and ruling and reigning today and we worship Him today because He is alive. Amen. And praise God for that. Last week, of course, was Easter. We celebrated uh, a wonderful uh, reunion type Easter, didn't we? A lot of folks uh, were able to see each other that we haven't seen in almost a year or a little over a year. And it was just great to be able to, uh, as we were outside, just come together and, and worship as, as the body of believers. And uh, what a great day indeed it was. What a great day it is today. Uh, as Mo was coming in, she walked by the Hope Center and, and it was full of people. Amen. Praise God for that. There were people in, in Sunday school back again over there. And again, next week, we're going to revert back to our regular uh, old-time schedule of 10 o'clock Sunday school and 11 o'clock worship, so be mindful of that. And as Justin said, feel free to come at, at 9 if you want to and worship if you want to. We'll still be here. Um, but indeed, it was a, a good service last week. Uh, we had a good day, a good family day. Uh, after church, we went to Carly's house and <clears throat> ate lunch and and ate too much lunch, to be honest with you. Um, and, and you know, there's some things that you eat that, or that, that people eat that causes, uh, causes heartburn to come on. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you eat so much last week or did you eat the wrong things this week that may have caused a little heartburn in you last week or this week sometime? Some people have an ongoing problem with that and uh, after today's sermon, I think maybe we'll all wish we had an ongoing uh, problem with, with heartburn. Uh, as we think about that, I, I understand that Clopas had a bad case of heartburn on Easter. Um, he and his friend had such a bad case of, of heartburn that, that Pepsid or Nexium or Prolisac, none of it would, would help it make it any better. But let me tell you today, let's, I'm going to share a story with you today about how that heartburn affected their life and changed their life forever. Think again about what happened on, on Easter morning. Think about the, the, the Easter weekend. The, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they did everything they could and they used everything at their disposal to try to keep Jesus in the grave. They had closed the tomb. They had rolled the big rock in front of it. They had, they had sealed it to keep it shut. They even put Roman soldiers out in front of it to guard it and, and protect it. And so they saw their mission as complete. They had nailed him on a tree. They had killed him. They had put him in the tomb. They had sealed him. They was guarded and nothing was going to take, nothing was going to get him out. So he was done for. Their mission was over. Yet in all their attempts, in all their efforts, they failed to keep Jesus in the tomb. Amen? Praise God for that. And so our text for today is found in Luke chapter 24, and that comes at the heels of what's taking place on, on Easter morning. This passage revolves around Jesus, a man named Clopas, and, and another person. Another person isn't named in the story we don't know who it is, don't know who that, that third person in the story, um, any relation, <clears throat> it just identifies a third person. 
But as they're walking back from Jerusalem, about a seven-mile walk back to their town of Emmaus, all of a sudden Jesus appears to these two people walking down the road. And as they travel, these two men, as they're traveling back to Emmaus, they're, they're reflecting on everything that had taken place. Everything that, that they had experienced through the Passover weekend and through the Easter weekend. and They were quite dismayed. They were obviously downtrodden because their hopes and dreams had not come to pass. Their fearless leader, the Messiah, who they thought was going to deliver them, was in the tomb. But now they had received word that the tomb was empty. And so let's catch up with the story in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 and following. <clears throat> As these two men make their way back to Emmaus, it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And, and, and he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Clopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. <clears throat> they went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us and that they had seen a, a vision of, a, of angels who said that he was alive. And, and then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, 
The Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the, then the two told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What an what a awesome story that is. What a, what a tremendous, one of the most vivid stories in all of the New Testament about Jesus' appearance after his crucifixion and resurrection. And so we have the story here, and, and as they're, Clopas and the other man are, are walking along the road. They're hopelessly on their way home. And they're discussing the crazy and, and bizarre weekend that they, that they had just experienced. There was the betrayal of Judas and, and his suicide. The plots and the, the guilt of the Sanhedrin. The weakness of Herod and, and Pilate. The terrible crime of Calvary and today today there are rumors of, of Jesus' resurrection and the fact that the tomb was empty. And so they're they're replaying all of this in their heads and, and just going around and around. And it says in verse 15 through 17, it says, as they walked and discussed these things to each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And I love, I love this next part. It says, and they stood still. They're, they were downcast. Their head was down. You know, they're walking down the road, and this guy walks up and says, what are y'all talking about? You know, I can just imagine them, really? They were talking about the, human, the, the tremendous uproar of the weekend. It would be kind of like the American Legion coming to town in Shelby. Everything is turned upside down, isn't it? The whole town goes crazy for the week. Everyone in town knows what's going on. Everyone knows why everything is turned upside down because the American Legion had come to town. So we're prepared for the traffic stops. We're, we're anticipating the long lines at the, at, the, uh, at the restaurants. People from all over the county. Uh, offered a volunteer to help carry out the event. People uh, from all over the country come and watch the American Legion World Series. Teams from all over the country come and, and watch it played. So Jesus shows up with these guys. They knew what had happened. What you, what? Hey guys, what are y'all talking about? Really? Dude, have you been hiding under a rock for the last three days? You haven't heard what was going on? You haven't seen <clears throat> what took place in, in, in Jerusalem? You don't know about it? And Clopas and his friends began telling Jesus everything that had happened to him over the last three days. And I look at Jesus' response in verses 25 through 27. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And begin with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So even though God had hidden Jesus, his recognition from their eyes, Jesus began to unpack the scriptures. 
He went all the way back to the very beginning and explained what it all, what it all meant. He laid it out for him and he, he, he taught him about how it related to the Messiah, how it related to him. And so surely Jesus told the story of Moses and Daniel and Zechariah and Elijah. He explained the Passover and the Levitical sacrifices and the, the tabernacle ceremonies. What about the, the Day of Atonement and the, the brass serpent in the, in the wilderness and the suffering servant described in, in Isaiah 63 and the, the prophetic messages in Psalm, uh, Psalm 22 and Psalm 69? You see, he didn't just teach them about doctrine and prophecy but things about himself and how all these things related to him, how all these things were pointing to him and how it had now come to pass. And so there's a great lesson in there for us and it reminds us that the key to understanding the Bible is to understand the entire Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament and to see Jesus Christ on every single page because everything from Genesis to Revelation is pointing to Jesus and about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, about the coming of the kingdom of God. So we've heard these, the story of the resurrection and, and what it meant to these two men, but, but what does the resurrection mean to us? The resurrection transforms us. Jesus transforms our thinking. The Holy Spirit transforms our thinking. It says that, that He opened the Scriptures up to the men. Well, folks, Easter allows the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and minds and, and allows us to be receptive to the Word and understanding of the Word and be able to apply it to our lives. And notice that in that story that Jesus is planning to carry on. Jesus is planning to travel on farther. He's planning not to stop, not, but He's going to keep on walking, keep on traveling. But these two men, they're captivated by Him. They're captivated by His story and His words and what He's telling them. And so they invite Him into their home. It's probably better understood they pleaded with Him to come inside, to come Enjoy a meal with them. Come stay with them, it says. Well, folks, let's make it clear that Jesus will never force Himself on us. He will never enforce Himself on us. We have to open the door. He will never, ever be an uninvited guest in our house, in the house of our heart. He will never force us to receive Him or never force us to love Him. He will knock on the door of our heart but He will never barge in. He'll never break the door down. He will only be our Lord and Savior if He's invited into our hearts and into our lives. And so just as Jesus transformed their hearts, just as Jesus has hopefully transformed all of our hearts, He transformed the event. After He got into their home and they invited him in for a meal and they sat down around the table. This, this ordinary meal, this ordinary dinner, at 
the end of the day, they're sitting around the table with this stranger they just met. And this stranger takes the bread and he, he breaks it and he blesses it and gives thanks. And he gives it to them. And it says, at that very moment, their eyes were opened. They were transformed in that moment. And, and, and just like that, he was gone. He was gone. But yet they had them, they had Jesus, the Messiah, at the table with them. It says in verse 31 and 32, it says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while He talked to us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while He talked with us on the road? They had Jesus Christ, the Creator of the universe, in their presence as they, as they walked along the road and never saw Him for who He was. Now, I know that verse uh, 16, I think it is, says that they were kept from recognizing Him and, and, and that was God's work to shield them from understanding who He was. But how often do we lose sight of, of the blessings of the moment? How often do we lose sight of the blessings of the moment while we struggle with the past, while we're thinking about what happened yesterday and last week? Or maybe we're worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow or in the future. And all the while we're, we're absent from the present. You see, these two people, Clopas and his friend, they were, they were focused on the past. Their minds and their attention was about what happened yesterday and what happened last week. And all the while Jesus Christ was walking with them. Think about Jesus and the stories that we've, that we've learned over the years. He stopped and talked with the woman at the well. Think of her past. Her, she had a rocky past, a questionable past. But she was in the presence with Jesus, and Jesus was in the presence with her. And Jesus allowed people to interrupt His ministry, and He sat with them. He healed those who needed healing. Jesus took time from His ministry and, and ate dinner at the homes of sinners. He was in the presence with them. He, provided, he stopped and He provided food for the hungry. Jesus walked with His disciples and He, he listened to their questions and answered them and met their needs. And all the while from from Jesus' birth until His death, He was on a deliberate mission. And that mission was to provide salvation for us. But all the while, He was present in every moment that He had with everybody that was around Him. Everybody had Jesus' attention. Jesus is the perfect example who is the one who is always there, who is completely present with whomever He's with. 
You know, so I guess all that to say is don't miss the opportunity to live in the present. Don't miss the opportunity to, to, to live in the present with the people that you love. Don't miss the joy of today because of yesterday's actions or the fears and anxieties of tomorrow. We've all been there. We've all done it. Sat in the presence of somebody because they wanted you there. And all the while you're thinking, I got to go. I got to do this. I got to do that. Instead of enjoying the moment at hand. And so don't miss the blessings of the moment. Experience the and enjoy what you have around you today because it might very well be gone tomorrow. And so don't allow your your busyness and your work and your phone and your to-do list to rob you of the moment at hand. Today is precious. Today is a gift. For tomorrow is never promised. And so enjoy the day. Enjoy the moment of the day. Because it might very well be gone. What is the significance of the resurrection? It convicts us. It says in, in, in verse 32, it says, They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see, Jesus opened the scriptures to them and, and opened their eyes so that they would recognize who he was. And now they saw him. They had experienced him, but he was gone but they knew at that point that Jesus was alive. That Jesus was the Messiah. That He was their Redeemer. And they had evidence of the, new, of, the, uh, of the empty tomb. They had evidence of the angels, the witnesses, the Scripture. And now they had their own personal experience with Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. What about you? Have you met the risen Savior? Have you met the, the living Lord? Have you had your own experience with Jesus? Have you been transformed and convicted? Well, if we have been transformed and convicted, what does that mean? Where do we go from here? If that truly took place in your heart, it's going to make a witness out of us. It says in verse 33 through 35, it says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Picture it again. They're sitting around the table. They're eating. Jesus has unpacked the entire Bible for them. They've broken bread. They're, they begin to eating, and all of a sudden their eyes are open just like that. Jesus is gone. Now they don't wait around till the next morning. They don't try to gather their stuff back up. I just imagine them, that was him. We got to go tell everybody. We just encountered Jesus. We got to go tell that he's alive, that we met him, that we know him, and he is alive. He is the real deal. Amen? And so they got up and left. It says they, they went back at once to Jerusalem. It says there they found the eleven and, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
with them. Folks, it had been a long day for them. They were spiritually drained, emotionally drained, physically drained. Nighttime was, was fast approaching. But folks, they had no idea. They had no thought about going to bed. They had no plans to turn in for the night. It says that the, the two men immediately left Emmaus and headed back up to Jerusalem on the Emmaus Road to tell other people, to tell those who had gathered before, to tell the disciples, to tell the women, to tell everybody that they had met Jesus and that He was alive, that their hope was alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. These two men had, had let others know that, that Jesus was alive and that they had, that Jesus had changed their lives. And folks, they had news to share. They had, they had truth to proclaim and they had something exciting to share with other people because Jesus had touched their heart, changed their hearts, and it changed their lives. And because of that, they had to tell the people. Amen. Let me ask you this, has the resurrection made a difference in our lives? Has the resurrection made a difference in our lives? Have our hearts been convicted? Are we living for Him? Do we have heartburn? Is our heart burning for the Lord? We've heard the good news and experienced it. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's yet to come. Are we living in the present and enjoying the present? Let me ask you this. If you are, if you're not, what are some, some things in your life that's keeping you from living in the present? What are some things that you can remove from your life or add to your life that allows you to better live in the present. Has the resurrection changed our lives? Has it convicted us? It says the Holy Spirit opened their eyes. Has it opened our eyes? Has it spoken to our hearts? Are we growing in the likeness of Christ? Let me ask you this. What can we do to better know Him better? What can we do in our life to know Him better? What steps can we take spiritually to know the Lord better. And then we need to go out and tell others. The question is, is our heart burning? Is our heart on fire for Jesus? Or will you pray this morning? We're going to sing Amazing Grace as our, as our hymn of invitation, but will you sing or will you pray this morning for spiritual heartburn? Not physical heartburn, but spiritual heartburn where our hearts are burning for the Lord Jesus, to know Him and to make Him known to our world. And then will you pray that, 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 that your heartburn will move you into action to tell others about Jesus? Are we making Him known? This is a dark world we're living in. And the world needs the light of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Are we making Him known? Will you commit today to, to share a track with someone or, or share an encouraging word with someone in the name of Jesus? Will you invite someone to church? Will you commit today to, 
to, to tell someone what Christ has done for you. The changes that He's made in your life. May our heartburn transform us and convict us and make us the disciples of Christ that He wants us to be. Let me ask you, have you experienced this life-changing heartburn in your life? Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. He'll never come into your heart unless you open a door and let Him in. He'll never barge in. He'll never be that uninvited guest. Here I am, he says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, just like the two men on the road to Emmaus, when they got home, they invited Jesus in and he ate with them. And they knew he was real. Let me ask you this morning, have you invited Him into your heart, into the home of your life? Because when you do, He will eat with you. He'll give you peace and comfort. He'll be your Lord and your Savior. If you'll pray for Him to come into your heart, into your life, you'll confess your sin to Him. If you'll repent of your ways and, and turn from your the ways of the world and turn towards Him and and follow after His teachings. He says that He'll give you eternal life. My prayer today is that you will do that. And Maybe if you've already done that, that you will pray for heartburn in your life. That you would have spiritual heartburn that would completely turn your life upside down in a way that you've never experienced before. Whatever God is speaking to your heart, however He's spoken to you this morning, whatever decision He wants you to make, whatever changes He wants you to make during our time of invitation as we sing about His amazing grace, His grace is free for everyone. Will you spend some time uh, talking to Him? And don't leave here today without making it right with the Lord. Whatever that decision is, will you follow after Him and His call on your life? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are humbled by Your amazing grace. In spite of who we are and what we do and how we act and what we think and what we say, You still love us. Father, today we pray for that spiritual heartburn in our hearts, God, that You would that you would turn our lives upside down for you. God, that we would leave out of here compelled to tell the world that you are alive, that you are our Redeemer, that you are our Savior, and that there is indeed hope found in you, eternal hope, because you and you alone, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. 
Father, if there are those that are praying that today, I thank you for hearing that prayer. Those who are confessing, those who are committing, those who are rededicating their lives, God, thank you for hearing that prayer today. Your grace is indeed amazing. For it's in Christ's name we pray.